Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com. We've done your homework. It's 1.15 a.m. in Beaumont, South Carolina, and you're listening to Night Call. Welcome to Night Call, a podcast for your strange days and lonely nights. I'm Tess Lynch in Los Angeles, and with me is... Molly Lambert. And over in New York, we have... Emily Yoshida. Hi, guys. I should have done my fake Southern accent, like Kevin Klein. I don't think it's fake. I looked him up, and he's from... St. Louis, Missouri. But it's such it a is, bad accent. It's well, such a bad. It's, a, it's I know, also. But it made me look up where Kevin Klein was from because I realized I had no idea. You know what it could be though is one such of those a good things actor. where, like, <laughs> for instance, if you try to do, if you're from Boston and you try and do a New York accent, like it's still, you know, you're still, still a Boston it's accent. Still, yeah, exactly. Yes. Maybe it's and that. contrary to uh, popular belief, there is more than one Southern accent, and the Missouri accent is is not like the. Carolina accent. Exactly. Right. Well, is Missouri sort of Midwesty? Missouri's the South. It's the South. Yeah. Yeah. It's not what we would call the Deep South. This movie takes place in the Deep South. This movie that we're about to introduce. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this movie. This this takes some preamble because I, I feel like followers that know us from the hoodies days have definitely heard us at least make threats to a big chill uh special. Uh, a big chill super hour. And we are finally making good on that this week 
2018, we are doing the Big Chill episode. Apropos of nothing, really, other than the fact that Molly had never seen the Big Chill and we're, uh, I guess, officially past spooky season pending uh, election results. Well, this is and sort of a Thanksgiving movie, it, it turns is. out. A little bit, of a yeah. deleted scene. Because of the deleted scene. A notorious deleted scene. A notorious scene. deleted scene. To set up the Big Chill. I'd never seen the Big Chill. What a terrifying movie to watch. <laughs> In your 30s? In your 30s. <laughs> yes. For the first time. Because uh, all I could think about was how old are these people supposed to be? And and I wanted to say they're on the brink of 40, but no. No, no, no. They no, are. Oh, no. I looked it up. Jeff Goldblum was 31. Uh, Glenn Close and Kevin Klein were 36. But it's like it's They so, didn't have all those K-beauty masks back then, you know? It's also like, just like it's so 80s that the way, the way everyone is dressed, the like 80s yuppie- American Sloan Ranger kind mm-hmm. of style is so ancient looking. Well, it also right. to us looks like our parents who are forever right. old. Uh, we will never be able to divor- divorce that look from exactly. our parents. I feel like my parents never dressed like that. You think they didn't, but there's like a certain amount of the hairdos. Oh, you well, know? one thing I love is hair. how they, they all have the same haircut in yeah. this movie. Everybody, man and woman, has the <laughs> exact same haircut. A little bit of a floof. Yeah. A little bit of a floof. Sometimes it's curly. Sometimes it's straight. Uh-huh. It's growing straight, out my perm straight style. <laughs> they're all growing out their perms, they're all but they're in out different stages. <laughs> um, like, speaking of our parents, we definitely respond to this in a different way than maybe even listeners of our podcast that, ha- that are younger that maybe don't have boomer parents might respond to it, who might just like watch it purely for the aesthetics. Um, like This really does feel like the beginning of boomers running everything. This movie, like, it feels like the cultural flag being planted of like, okay, now everything is going to have to do with like what boomers were into and their college experience and the music that they liked and blah, 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 blah. Um, and, and boomers just talking and recording themselves talking and then watching themselves talking and like, it's just <laughs> this feedback loop of boomer interests. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's very, uh, it's fun to imagine what this movie would be like about any other generation. Um, but it's also hard to because it's just so boomer. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty boomery. I have to say that, so I didn't believe that anyone hadn't seen The Big Chill until we found out while we were talking about it. Um, I, I don't remember if it was on the air when we were recording hoodies or before or after, but I was stunned. So You were you... stunned because it's like, I was saying, this is like one of Tess's favorite movies ever. And Tess, like for the I entire- I came to it late, man. Really? I did. Yeah, I did. I feel like for the entire time I've known you since you were a teenager, you've loved like midlife crisis movies. Love them. <laughs> I love them. I've been having a midlife crisis for you can't... my entire life. You well, just can't wait to be like wearing a camel coat and smoking <laughs> and like arguing on a payphone about we, the children. <laughs> we are all a bunch of, we're definitely all Donald Sutherland and Animal House. Yep. Today's episode of Night Call is brought to you by Canvas People. We want to know what you're planning on doing for your holiday shopping. I don't know about you guys, but I take so many pictures on my phone every day and half of them just disappear. I don't do anything with them. 
you know, because of the way that we now live off of our phones, a lot of times we never get to actually look at and cherish and remember some of these photos. Canvas People is a service where you can take some of your photos and turn them into keepsake quality gifts for your home and for your loved ones. It's a really cool way to turn photos of your family into art for the wall, frameable art, and it makes a great gift for the holiday season. Now as a special, very limited holiday offer, canvaspeople.com is offering their popular 11 by 14 photo canvases for free. That's right, for free. These normally sell for $69.99, but for this week only, you'll pay nothing. All you have to do is cover shipping and handling. So to get your free canvas, text CALL to 484848. Just pay shipping and handling. This offer won't last long, so night callers text CALL, C-A-L-L, to 484848. That's CALL to 484848. Message and data rights may apply. Well, but let me lay out the movie for anyone who hasn't seen it. So it's 1983, which happens to be the year that Molly and I were both born. So the movie belongs to us. And it is a Lawrence Kasdan movie about a group of friends who are reunited by um, the death of their one of their other friends. Their friend who died is played by Kevin Costner, but all of his scenes were cut out of the movie. But apparently there's a scene where he was ma- – like it was a flashback scene where he's making Thanksgiving dinner with the rest of the cast and then that ended up being cut. Um, but it's basically it. this group of you know friends who get together after a long time apart. They go to a house in South Carolina and they all spend time together surrounding this guy's funeral. Well, what I learned from the IMDb trivia section that I read extensively after watching it is that the flashback scene would have revealed the information that these people all lived in a co-op together at University of Michigan, much like Lawrence Kasdan, who was in a a food co-op called the Eugene Debs (laughs) co-op, like a socialist food co-op, which... Uh then explains why they are so comfortable living in a house together and sharing the duties of cooking and making food and stuff was supposed well, to that's be a great detail. It is a great yeah. detail. And I was also like, I've known a lot of people who've lived in co-ops and there is that dynamic of living in a co-op with people where everybody's like eating together. Dancing and, like, and doing the dishes. Dancing and doing the dishes and like flirting with each other all the time. And I liked this movie. It was sad. Why sad? Well, I mean, maybe it wasn't sad. I, I don't know. It was definitely less like peak 80s than I was expecting. I realized like as I was watching it, I was like, oh, this is like 1983. This is kind of like almost still a 70s movie. It's just kind of like a story about some people with some problems. It's very much right. like a play. Uh, like, yeah, it is. A, it's a total play. And I saw like that it was also it's kind of like a loose remake of Rules of the Game, he said. Oh, it's like a French country estate, but it's just like a, you know, a country house and some white yuppies who are having a lot of issues. Right. But having fun having their issues. Well, OK, this is what I was going to say is I thought it, the reason I thought it wasn't maybe depressing because I was like, is this like an upbeat ending? Spoiler alert, like everybody has sex at the end during like a lightning storm. This movie is very horny. Um, but yeah, I was like, this movie mm-hmm. is sort of like, it's like at first it's all sad about like, oh, you've made all your choices and you're stuck now in your life forever with your like boring life that you chose. Um, nothing like the fun life you thought you were going to have when you were a hippie living in a co-op with your cool friends. And now you're confronting it in a funeral scenario. 
But then at the end, it's like everybody kind of is like, oh, actually, we still can change our minds about stuff still and like let your friend's husband knock you up. Which is, yeah, that's one of that's two the... really wild plot points, I think. That's, is that the transformative moment, though? Is that like when, when everybody realizes they still have that good old hippie commune? I think so, because they're them. like, we're going to make a baby together as like a friend it family. It takes a village. But then there's also <laughs> the fact that Nick, who's William Hurt, um, decides to stay in the house with right. Chloe. It's like a haunted Meg house Tilly. movie. It is, like, yeah. <laughs> it's the haunting of Chill House. Yep. Is Meg Tilly like always always doing stretches and like like uh, doing contortions in a in a, in a, t- a leotard because she's young and flexible? Yeah, of course, and because it's to show that it's the eighties. <laughs> well, I mean, doing... like flexible metaphorically. She's like, doing she's more spe- like you know. Well, they don't really. It's funny. They feel like they include her. They're not like mean to her just because she's like the young. I mean, Glenn Close is giving her some side eye, but I think oh, at yeah. one point Meg Tilly's character Chloe, they're all like waxing nostalgic, and then they ask her about her past, and she's like, "Oh, I don't really talk about the past because I don't right. care about it as much as you guys." So she kind of represents the like she's not nostalgic yet because she's still at a point where she's still like idealistic and anything can happen in her life and like she's just enjoying her she's in her 20s but it, man it feels like she's more uh she doesn't have a tight group of friends though like they do that she's a also seems, she's yeah she's a drifter she's like seems like she's just dated a series of older men and like she says something to the effect of i don't know that many happy people or something yeah um, i like that i think she's secretly the greatest character but, uh, <laughs> no she is a great character and yeah. like the leotard that she's doing the stretches in at the beginning is like very specifically such an 80s leotard that oh, yeah. would like put me in a weird state of mind uh can you imagine how hard it would be to pee if you were wearing a leotard over tights it's just <laughs> i mean impossible. i remember how hard it was yet, to be wearing a leotard <laughs> over tights yeah, and yet everyone did yeah, I mean, some of the things that I knew about this movie, the, like, dancing around the kitchen island and the 60s soundtrack thing, like, none of it bothered me in the context of the movie because it was, like, possible to see it as, like, oh, this was the first time some of these things happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so we should maybe, like, like just do the, the boilerplate in case people haven't seen this movie. Sure. Well, Tess, I think, set it up that it's, like, yeah, a, funeral it's a funeral for a friend. Well, yeah, everybody... one of their friends... It's interesting now to know that it's a commune. That's like a that's an interesting yeah. Kind that of made it a lot more piece. more interesting to me. Yeah. So uh, th- this friend of theirs, Kevin Costner, who plays corpse in it, uh, he's the fuck up. But they're all he's like, kind of a fuck up. But he's like one of these guys who just couldn't decide on what he was going to be, and he would like you know drifted around from job to job, and then committed suicide while staying at the country home of. Kevin Klein and Glenn Close's characters who are, are they've kind of made it. They like own some kind of chain of stores that's gonna get bought oh, by running, a company. Running, they own a running shoe store. Running and then shoes. I right, looked right, that right. up and it's called Running Dog and it's yes. from a quote it's from a quote from Mao that oh. says something about the running dogs of capitalism. Whoa. <laughs> if you weren't <laughs> sure deep. there was a socialist subtext to the big chill. We well, found it. It's not even a subtext. It's like in the movie, yeah. which 
again is makes it interesting. I think I tuned out because yeah, they have the, the the shoes delivered from the store so that they can run around and play like flag football in the yard. And boy, um, do they! Yeah, they do. Yeah. So there's just a tangle of feelings among these seven friends. Is it seven plus plus Meg Tilly? I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah. if you also you had got to count Richard. Is that, Richard oh, the yes, boring husband? Richard. best husband who eats a mayonnaise sandwich. Oh, God. And a glass scene. of milk. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's all you need to know about Richard. Yeah, then he goes home. And then leaves the next morning. Yeah. He's like, I, I'm just here for the mayonnaise sandwich. Yeah. Um, I was saying to Tess, I found all of the men in this movie very attractive. But who most? Who most of uh, all? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I know that this is like a basic take to be attracted to Jeff Goldblum, but I well. was never a person who was attracted to Jeff Goldblum for many years and like suddenly I was like Jeff Goldblum wow what a charming yeah. guy uh, very good at taking imaginary phone calls in movies yeah <laughs> I'll tell you who I was most attracted to and that would be Mary Kay Place oh well Mary Kay Place mm. Mary Kay Place is the beating the heart movie. of this movie yeah the people who are involved are Kev- we got Kevin and Glenn as Harold and Sarah and they I read something I don't remember where when I was sifting through all of these big chill takes that you know, some people argue that this is a Southern movie because it's all about, like, looking back, you know, towards history and, like, that he's the person who's from the South and then went to University of Michigan but returned to his roots. And now he's just returning to his past. But everyone else went elsewhere. And he's living in, like, a plantation house. Basically. Yeah. 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 Um, but then neither Kevin Klein nor Glenn Close wanted like they thought those were the boring roles and they were a little bit pissed that they were cast that way. Not pissed, but they were like, uh. Oh, right. Everybody wanted to be Mary Kay Place. Of course. Learned. Every- I mean, who wouldn't? <laughs> um, and then we have Tom Berenger as Sam Weber, who is the like, you know, kind of accidentally famous Miami guy. Vice-esque. Yeah. Also, yeah. also very also attractive. <laughs> also. Yeah. Needless to say. Yeah. Michael Gold, Jeff Goldblum, who is the entertainment journalist. He's the one who's all of us, unfortunately. Relatable. <laughs> Too relatable. He's trying to get out of content. He's trying to get out of content and he's trying to convince himself that the stories he's writing for Us Magazine mean like, anything. Mean anything. Yeah. It, uh, no, it's people. Isn't it people? people. Oh, yeah, it's people. Yeah, it was this the is 80s pre-Us. Us. But he, he started he's off teaching an kids in Harlem. <laughs> And, like, then got into journalism for the money, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And he's the uh, one who brought the camera to tape everyone very yeah. awkwardly. He's the but mostly himself. James Spader in Sex, Lives, and Videotape. Oh, exactly. that's so 80s, bringing the camera to tape everybody talking about stuff. I know. Um, and nobody wants to have sex with him. That's what and also, <laughs> Which is insane. very surprising. <laughs> in, the, in, like, a deleted scene, he, he goes up at the funeral. He's introducing himself. Like, no one remembers him, which makes me think... <laughs> He was living in the commune, but he was from a younger grade. So I would well, he is a little bit younger. He's a little younger. And he reads a little bit younger. So I think he was kind of like the interloper who wanted to be cool. He's bringing that new wave energy, yeah, into this otherwise strictly classic R and B household. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then there's William Hurt. Yes, obviously oh. Nick Carlton, who's a veteran. He's he a fought, Vietnam vet. Fat and ve- impotent in Vietnam, Vietnam vet. He yeah what? he cannot get a boner or some or or does I don't know it's my unclear. husband was like his dick was blown off yeah. is that it that's okay never said. I, it's like, is they're it? not really no, that but I was about envisioning it. the like born on the fourth of July like pulling your tube out yeah there's something that's ooh, what I imagined jeez um, he also does a lot of drugs 
And oh yeah, I find him to be the least attractive in this film. He's to be a babe though, still. Uh, mannerisms wise, and the dryness of his his sense of humor, he is the number one babe. Number uh, one babe. Really? This is great. Looks wise, <laughs> not not exactly. But I like. I dated somebody for a summer who was obsessed with this movie and uh, and obsessed with his character specifically and had the car had that Porsche like Weird. the old old Porsche and um, and was very much like like him but obviously it did something for me so stoic <laughs> interesting stoic babe yeah it, who's drawn to whom I would not have expected that who else we got <laughs> okay so then we have um, Meg Jones Mary Kay Place my girlfriend now. Oh, um, she wife. is a single professional woman. She's a, who is she a lawyer. I, I I feel like it's unclear. She's, she's, she's a professional she's a woman. Professional woman. Yeah. She's a business. She woman. in Los Angeles. There's a point where she's in her office and she's looking out over the in the opening credits when you see how she has like to look at the it. briefs for the account. Yeah, right, for the exact. Right. Oh, you gotta look high. at the briefs. Um, let's work. imagine that she works in Century City as a lawyer because that seems right. Sure. And LA she's chain smoking merits and she just seems really cool. And then we have Karen Bowens, who is Joe Beth Williams. She's kind of the token, like, soap opera y, coldish. She's the one lady. trapped in a bad marriage to the yeah. boring guy. To boring guy Richard Bowens. But she, slash, used, she clearly yeah. used to be a fun babe in college. And this is reminding her of that. Yeah. yeah. And she gives a lot of longing looks. Yes. Can I uh, offer a hot take uh, sure. in opposition to your enthusiasm for Mary Kay Place here? I don't oh, think wow. there. Are, I don't think there are any like actually good female characters in this movie, and that was a, that was a realization upon watching it this time because I did but not. But you just think said that. Chloe was the best character. That's sort of that's that's the hottest take. Uh, <laughs> but I I mean I I think that if if they had added like one or one or two more scenes with her, I think you would have. You would have an A plus character and a very interesting character, I mean, and not to be too like Bechdel-y reductionist about it, but like they, that feeling of like it's me watching Jeff Goldblum, just you know, in some of yes, the like the the, the literal facts of his character and his profession and everything, but also just like some of the mannerisms and the way he is and everything. That for me is not there for with any of the female characters, mostly because we don't again we don't know what we don't know what Mary Kay Place does, and like everybody else is just like defined by. Like whether or not they fucked the dead guy, um, or if they like <laughs> if they like their husbands or not, or if they want to stray out of their marriages, like that seems to be the the defining crises for most of these characters. And yes, everything comes down to sex in this movie in the end, but like it's always been sex though for all. Well, of, it all represents the like not selling out. But I thought Glenn Close had a pretty good. Like, you what got a sense she, of her backstory. She was involved she with to? Alex. Yeah. She fucked Alex. But she, did she have an affair? Yeah, she cheated yeah. on Kevin Klein right. with Alex. She gets like to cry in the shower. Ago, and she cries in the shower naked. Early on. Yeah. But, then, Early on. but then by deciding to encourage, spoiler again, Kevin Klein to father Mary Kay Place's child... And and them to have sex, it's like retribution. She's like, now we're even because I had an affair with Alex and I carried that guilt. And now I am basically like enlisting you to have sex with my friend. And now it's even Steven. I don't know. That feels, <laughs> that feels, that feels like a very <laughs> – that feels like such a, a, a male screenwriter fabrication. She's like that, the puppet that master, Emily. <laughs> She's pulling the strings. No, I'm with Tess. I like it. No, it was it was co-written with a woman, a woman, Barbara Coppelson. 
Let's go with it. Let's go with it. It's just so wild to me that that Lawrence Kasdan wrote this like in the middle of doing Star Wars. It's like it's like the chaser for Star Wars. For sure. I mean, again, that's like what I liked about it is I was like, wow, this was a big hit movie that like got nominated for a lot of Oscars. And it's just about a bunch of people having like personal crises. Yeah. It's not about space wars. It's just like internal space wars. Also, I thought it was really interesting that he felt so bad about cutting Kevin Costner out of the movie that then his next movie, Silverado, he was like, come back, Kevin. Come on. <laughs> Kevin's like, all right, fine. I'll do it. But I mean, that it's like interesting because when they talk about cutting his scenes and what's super weird is that I have the Blu-ray with like all the deleted scenes, but you cannot get <laughs> the deleted scenes of Kevin Costner. They are not to be found. And apparently it's because they felt like if Alex existed in that universe, that it would overshadow the impressions of Alex that make up I heard the, the wigs I think that's so the right. Bad. Probably. Did. The wigs were so bad in the Thanksgiving flashback that people laughed. That's <laughs> so awesome. Like, we can't do it because they're supposed to well, be like, you maybe know, the- older. Maybe the wigs were, you know, just fate telling them. I mean, I think it makes more sense to not have them around. I think it's more effective. I think it's a good little like, ooh, gotcha in the opening sequence. And you're like, who's this dapper gentleman getting ready for a night out on the town? <laughs> Whoops, he's dead. Oh, um, hold on. It's a horror movie. You know what scene really is like so cliched and pathetic, but it gives me chills every time is the organ doing um, You Can't Always Get What You oh, Want. Yeah. And, yeah. It's so good, you guys. It's real well, good. I liked this movie way more than I expected. I, I have seen I have seen a lot of things that come after this. I've seen uh, Indian Summer, which I don't know if anyone else has seen, but it's a big chill ripoff from the 90s about a group of friends who meet at a camp and then come back to the camp and all have sex. Nice. Uh, rekindle old relationships um and this movie was formative to me because it is where i first learned the word boner no really (laughs) yeah because somebody gives a long monologue in it about an embarrassing experience they had at camp where they had a boner and they had to keep they tried to tape it down and it didn't work it like just like a long boner monologue and then (laughs) because this was the early 90s when when the internet wasn't a thing really yet we like asked our friend's mom uh what boner what a boner was and she was like, go ask your parents. Nice. Very <laughs> suave parenting move there. It was suave. I don't know that I ever did ask my own parents or if I just like probably like went to the dictionary was something I would do <laughs> as a nerd. Rifling through the paper dictionary of youth. Yeah. You like hope that the, your parents won't be able to tell that you opened up to the page and had the word on it. So <laughs> the page for boater is yeah. all tabulated. <laughs> It's dog eared. <laughs> Today's episode of Night Call is brought to you by Warby Parker. So, when we first started this podcast and we were talking about advertisers that we were interested in featuring, we all mentioned Warby Parker, and I, in particular, have been rallying really, really hard to uh, talk about Warby Parkers because I've been wearing them forever, and I love them, and I I honestly believe they're the best glasses. Basically, I started getting Warby Parkers when I lost a pair of super, super expensive glasses, and I didn't have a backup pair of glasses because they were so expensive, and I was like, fuck, what am I going to do? And I ended up finding Warby Parker, spending $95 on new prescription glasses, And it was life-changing. I'm on my, like, eighth pair, I think. They make it 
super, super easy to get the best pair of glasses from their five-day home try-on where you can get up to five pairs of glasses, try them on for five days, get other people's opinions, see what works for you, and then send them back and then place an order for your frames and you can easily upload your prescription. If you don't have your prescription on hand, they'll even call your doctor. It's awesome. The home try-on is free and you don't have to buy anything. So shipping is free. They pre-print the return address and everything too. You order five pairs of glasses, keep them for five days, and it just couldn't be simpler. There are always new styles coming in. So even though I've been ordering for a while, I always do the home try-on. Right now I have the Lucy's. They're very cute. And if you're indecisive, you even get an email reminder from Warby Parker when your five-day window is closing. Then you just put the glasses back in their box and ship them back. Also, if you have an iPhone X, there's even a nifty app with a new feature called Find Your Fit. So Find Your Fit uses the iPhone X's true depth camera to map and measure key facial features. Using these measurements, Find Your Fit recommends about 12 Warby Parker frames that are likely the best fit for your face. It only takes a second and it eliminates a lot of the guesswork. I know that I have like a weirdly broad face, so it's kind of helpful to narrow down the selection. Also, they have great prescription sunglasses, which start at $175, and I have plans to make Molly order those because the other day I caught her wearing her glasses with sunglasses over them, and I was like, that makes me very nervous. So that's next on the agenda. We also love that for every pair of glasses sold, Warby Parker donates a pair to someone in need. So go to warbyparker.com forward slash call to order your free home try-ons for five pairs of frames to find the best glasses for you. After you head over to warbyparker.com slash call, you can try out the Warby Parker app on the iTunes App Store, where you can use the home try-on companion feature to snap photos of you in your frames, stitch it into a video, and let your loved ones pick the best ones for you if there's a tiebreaker. Again, that's warbyparker.com forward slash call. Guys, I spent way too much time thinking about uh, the astrology. Oh, yeah. You said big chill astrology. Absolutely. Yes. Let's start off with Harold, Kevin Klein. I'm going to go ahead and be like Leo. There's just no question for me. The way that he lounges around, the way that he kind of has this like confidence that can come off as a little bit like just obnoxious. He's, he's kind of commandeering. He has his own business. He wears the shirts of his own business just to hang out with friends. That's totally Leo move. I think he's I think he's an earth sign. I think 100%. <laughs> I didn't know you what we were earthy? doing. I thought we were just going to be like, you're a Kevin Klein. Well, yeah. But I saw, <laughs> your thread. I, I saw your thread, Tess, and so I was I started thinking about this. And Good. I, I, I should. I think, he's a, I think he's a Taurus or a Virgo, but I'm leaning oh. Taurus. Like, I could go Virgo because I will tell you who's the Taurus, and that would be William Hurt is the Taurus. 100%. Now this is this is confusing to me. Like, tell, so explain. much Virgo defamation. Okay, so listen. <laughs> Everyone thinks of the Taurus as like the sturdy, reliable, stubborn. No, but there I think a like streak. a person who likes their house. Like they like they have two drugs. houses. No, they like their drugs and they like their cars. Taurus? I'm married to a Taurus. He's not a drug addict. <laughs> he likes his drugs and he likes his cars. But I really he like. like is this a, Le- a Lana Del Rey song? <laughs> <laughs> it is now. <laughs> Lynch Del Rey over here. I'll just go with the ones I felt really strongly about. And I, I want to hear what you thought William Hurt was too. But I'm going to say that the Taurus for William Hurt and then I really feel like um, Jeff Goldblum is a cancer. Mm, yeah, I can see that. I think I, really I see much room for debate. Yeah, yes. because he's like 
he's kind of capricious, but he also he has like his own motives and he's really bad at hiding them and he goes after them, but he's pretty charming. So eventually he's, you kind of forgive him. There's not a lot like what you see is what you get emotionally with him, I think. Yeah, which is, exactly. Which is what I think of as a as a cancer trait. And he's tortured. They're very tortured. I think you were dead on. I think you said that that Mary Kay Place was a uh, uh, Capricorn, which I think 100%. Is, I think that's dead on. Okay, uh, thank you. Yeah. What do you think about Glenn? I said Glenn was either a Sagittarius or a Virgo. I'm leaning towards Sagittarius. I think she she's a, like, I think she's a Libra. A Libra. You guys have such strong feelings. <laughs> I thought Tom Berenger was the so Libra. Lost. Oh yeah, he could be a Libra too. I don't know. I mean, he's like. I mean, he's the famous person. So usually, like the famous people in in fictional works are the Leos. But, are the Leos? Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, but he's uh, like reluctantly famous. That's what I yeah. like about his character. He's, he's a great like, character. He's he's a fantastic character. He shrinks from himself. Yeah. I he like is? that. Tom Berenger. Tom Berenger. He's a great character. He was very good. He was sort of, I, I knew nothing about him and he was the secret ace. Although he was on Cheers for like five seconds. How, yeah. How did you miss the Tom Berenger connection there? Or you didn't? I just, just, I didn't know. I didn't put it in context. I'm trying to find the factoid I saw about how they were, there was a haunting during the filming. Yeah, I want to know about the haunting. But also, Um, so you thought we were going to say who we identified? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But this is, this is what I came to. Like, this is my, my, my take about the female characters. And I was really thinking about who I am. And I'm like, well, I went like for two of the male characters. uh, I don't know. There was nothing about the female characters where I was like, that felt, deep enough to be like to even have a strong opinion like oh absolutely no I'm not like that or yes mm-hmm. I'm definitely like that so I don't know that's 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 how I kind of arrived at that but I'm interested so you just identify saying. mostly with um uh, with with Goldblum and, and Hurt uh <laughs> really yeah I would not have expected that I mean I think if you had a little bit more time with Meg Tilly then I I might be able to to lean more towards her but I think that they're their relationship feels sort of recognizable in a way to me. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to say. I think she's Molly a, D- she's a Scorpio. Wait, who, <laughs> you think Chloe's a Scorpio? I said Aquarius. Yeah. I thought she was an Aquarius because it's yeah, like so hard to get a read on her. Sure. And then she just comes out with some crying and you're like, what? And then she's stretching and then she's laughing and you're like, none of this <laughs> makes sense. Total Aquarius. Oh, I thought man. that Richard, Richard is the Scorpio for sure. Richard being yeah. the bad husband whose name you can't ever remember. Oh, no. Why He's not you? sexy enough to be a Scorpio. I've known a lot of really unsexy Scorpios. I mean, I think it's like they just pull out their stinger and you're just like, I didn't want that. And then they peace <laughs> out. Like, they're just like, and you're like, no. I spent literally uh, two hours last night thinking I couldn't turn off my brain. I have, like, election anxiety. Right. And I was just like, now I need to think, like, categorize all the characters. <laughs> you need I, to do the chart of. Yeah, I'm going to do the chart. I mean, I, I think, like, for me, I'm, like, 60% Mary Kay Place, maybe, like, 20% uh, Glenn Close, 20% Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Can you even? Is it allowed to split well, it up but, that which much? Is your, which is your sun, moon, and rising? I don't know. I That's a whole other <laughs> evening spent awake thinking about this stuff, honestly. Um, the Big Chill is really good escapism. Because it that's is. what they're doing too. Is and the house is like looks so comfortable in such an eighties way. Like I think I enjoy a lot of things in this genre. Have do you guys like Wanderlust, the David Wayne movie? Oh yeah, it's great. I always bring it up because I love it so much, and I feel like it's like a Gen X big chill. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about people being like, oh, like being a yuppie sucks. Like let's move into this commune, right? Uh, 
but it's also very well, funny. I, I want to I want to talk about what this movie would look like if you if you were to do say for the era that we went to college in. Like, what would that look like? And if the if there was a big chill circa say we graduate an average of 2005 or the electro clash big chill yeah the electro clash of the blockhouse <laughs> big chill i mean it's really hard like now that there's we have a better idea of like the things that we will be nostalgic for as a generation and like have a clearer picture of clear hindsight of like what was in the air when we were in college and what shaped us in that way i really want to know what the aughts college graduate the millennial the millennial uh big chill would look like like what would be the what would be this on that soundtrack and and what would what would we the rapture? what would those characters do yeah definitely yeah. the rapture strokes i mean you could not escape that at yeah. college parties i mean lcd sound system i guess if you're gonna have rapture, i resent that of. notion okay. i it was so pervasive i guess it started no yeah all your friends i resent its yeah. own its own self-announcement is like i'm the music that signifies this time period. but because like, i agree off. something else but because of that you have to like acknowledge it maybe yeah. it's that everyone's maybe like, they make Ugh. fun of it why yeah definitely but, like what's the stuff that accidentally just became part of the the soundtrack yeah. no the thing that's most co- strongly conjures college to me is hey ya oh yeah, yeah well, but that totally wasn't that that would be our big year? but that would be no, our big chill for sure yeah like, hey ya. very distinctly. hey i was my freshman year of college yeah i remember so. dancing at like a halloween party to that i associate that with senior year of high school but i'll allow it I will allow it. Also, Modest Mouse was like in the ether. But that was the bad time of Modest Mouse. The bad time. It was on its way for sure. I mean, when did the Moon and Antarctica? I guess that was that was Moon and Antarctica was like 2001 or something. I think maybe earlier. Um, Built to Spill, (laughs) I think of as being very collegey. Molly and I went to a Built to Spill concert. I think freshman year, maybe. See, this is like this was high school for me, but still like deep, deep nostalgic buttons being pushed. Built to Spill are great. I love Built to Spill. We all still ride for Built to Spill. Yeah. American Hysteria is a brand new podcast from Skylark and me, Chelsea Weber-Smith. It explores our moral panics, urban legends, and conspiracy theories, how they shape our psychology and culture, and why we end up believing them. I'll cover moral panics like Stranger Danger, Satanic Panic, and Tinky Winky's homosexuality, urban legends like Poison Halloween Candy, and conspiracy theories like the Illuminati's secret plan for world domination. I was raised around a ton of wild conspiracy theories, and I know how easy it can be to freak out over the sensational, the rare, and the untrue. I want to understand why we fear the wrong things, and how these fears shape our past, present, and future in sometimes devastating ways, and also what these bizarre panics might be covering up. I promise to show you a good old time while I try to figure it all out. The first two episodes of American Hysteria drop November 12th. Head over and subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. 12, 12, Watching this movie is bizarre to me because I did the opposite of like communal living in college. Yeah, you, I... sh- you went into the hermit op- mode. Hermit, hermit. mode. Well, I you, like wanted to be an adult. I feel like. Well, I had like a I I had like a borderline nervous breakdown my freshman year where I just I couldn't sleep and I stayed up for about five days and I ended up getting a job so that I could move off campus because um 
I couldn't get what's called a psycho single, which is when you, which is not a nice uh, way of terming this. But everyone was like, oh, you need a psycho single. I I, ha- I still have this thing where it's if I'm around people for too much, I feel like I need to like have like a day or two of solitude, um, which is harder you don't when like you're a mom. Communal communal living. I don't is like not, communal. We're living. only children. I yeah. I, you're I, both I only children. That. It kind of like just sucks I all the life out of you. I'm the opposite. Yes, I love to socialize. <laughs> well, Molly, it was always interesting to visit you because you lived with the same group of people, and I fake lived with the same group of people throughout college because I had to have a dorm room, so I I had like a ghost room. In, you know, until a certain point. And I'm still friends with them, and we actually still yeah, get you together. Yeah, you do reunion trips with friends from college. We, you... And it, they're very not like the big chill. But, I mean, there is, Are like, they not like the big chill? You all rent a house together. We rent a house. It's true. Whoa. But we don't all have sex with each other. No, but you all, like, leave your children upstairs so you can probably smoke weed. Well, only some of us smoke weed. Well, but we do. We played We played a lot of, like, charades and rounds and stuff, um, which is very weird. But I find that, you know... I don't know. I mean, maybe just because of things like having such a different vibe right now, there's a lot less pleasure taken in nostalgia. It's almost painful to think back on how different things were when we were in college and and where we are as a country now. But it's also like it's very easy to look back at any earlier time and be like, it was so great. But like, I always have to remind myself like, oh, no, like I've never been happy in any time in my life well like, also politically when we were in college it was a difficult oh, time yeah. obviously it was difficult yeah I, we I thought things being... were bad and yeah, just like we there, things were, were, super bad there were just times like specifically where i'm like oh i wish i hadn't been so depressed like in the end of college and then it's just like who i think knew? the thing is that the difference with big chill is that they were like literally living in the 60s or they were going to college in the 60s and i think we use the idea of like the 60s as a metaphor of some kind of like salad days when everybody was optimistic but that's like literally when they were young and relevant and everything and the driving plot of big chill if if you see it as them trying to reconnect with their idealistic college days when they were literally in the most idealistic right. time in the 20th like- century like we don't have that. It's in a way it's like it's it's kind of like a mirror image of just ours was so kind of cloaked in negativity. I mean there I the yeah. hopefulness of the 60s and then in a way the hopefulness of the 80s of this boomer kind of idealistic like we're on top but, like, of the complete, world but like diametrically opposed optimism. Exactly. Well they're like we all sold out but look how much money we made. Yeah and, then- and what's interesting is you know kind of how it how our experience has been kind of contradicted by yeah, that. Yeah, we had the recession, so we didn't even have that option at all. No. So I feel like a lot of our generation is like getting radicalized now yeah. because now is the time when people are like, oh, where are all those yuppie things that I was like told Where's I would get? Where's all the adult stuff? If well, I yeah. followed the rules and it's like, oh, it's never coming and everyone took all the stuff and that's it. Like, Well, that's where the depression angle comes in that you were talking about when, Molly, when you said um, that looking up their ages was such a like horrible thing because I think that it, that, I mean, to think of like people in their early to mid 30s and all of them without question seem to be 
totally financially stable. I don't it's know not about a, Jeff Goldblum. Except, well, yeah, he's ma- no, but he's he's doing something for the money. He's got to pitch those stories. He's though. living in New York, man. I don't know if he's able to fly from New York to yeah. South he's gotta Carolina. He's got to open that club. Yeah, and I bet being being a columnist for People Magazine in the '80s probably was a pretty cushy job, especially at 31. You yeah. know. I mean, and that's what's really crazy is to think of how few people can afford to even like the the coats that Joe Beth Williams is wearing. Come on. <laughs> that's cashmere. Those are dusters like that. Yeah. It's, you know, very impressive. Uh, I mean, it's they're all it's it's something that's so taken for granted, whereas a big chill movie now would inevitably have to encompass, you know, a lot of economic uh, yeah, anxiety. I gotta say, like, when I see a lot of old friends, like, I feel like sometimes there's a lot of just, like, class anxiety baked in of, All like, the time. how's everyone doing? And, like, who's got what going on? I had a boyfriend throughout college, well, two different boyfriends throughout college, but neither of them went to school with me. So it was Not like to I brag, not to thing. brag. Well, I'm sorry. But you wouldn't know, you wouldn't know my boyfriend. He <laughs> goes to a different it. school. <laughs> he lives in Canada. Uh, Is it fair to say you were both too cool for school? I, I was uh, not cool at all. I had a cat, man. You were very cool. And I, I made a lot of, like, roast chicken. I moved at a certain point from my, like, really cute, super tiny studio to um, – it ended up, unbeknownst to me, I was like, oh, wait – is it a retirement community? Oh, yeah. You moved into a retirement Everyone community. Is, I moved into a retirement <laughs> community. about that. And the only other person. So you did live in a dorm of sorts. It, yes. Yeah. And the only other person who was under the age of 50 was a med student. And he was, like, thrilled that I was there. And I was like, oh no, God. I'm not exciting at all. Uh, but they called the people in their 90s referred to me as Britney Spears because I would. I oh, my God. You loved that. I, I loved it. I loved college. <laughs> it was my Rushmore. I totally just like I just always wanted to go to college and then I did and I was like this is great I would like to keep doing this forever I was Uh, so jealous of your college experience my college was going back home to Iowa during the summers like that was the most collegiate experience for me I think because I grew up in a college town uh, and so kind of had like got primed on what like the most stereotypical like Big Ten Midwestern college experience is going to be like and then kind of had it out of my system by the time I actually went to college. That makes but sense. But then like would come back home and just go to like the college bars and stuff in Iowa City and then go back to school and just like work and work and work and not <laughs> hang out with anybody <laughs> like that. That was my life. So, so you never went to that that weird brewery in Westwood Village. Oh, I went everyone... to Westwood Brewery. The Brew Co. Yeah, the Brew Co. I, I definitely went to some comedy shows at the Brew Co. Uh, I definitely had my friend give me her old ID so that I could get into the Brew Co. They took anything. Um, Tess went to I, the I Fish did... Co. Yeah, that was actually a hard. I had to be snuck in the back of the Brew Co. once because they wouldn't <laughs> let me in. Okay, so um, you guys got your licks in, is what we're saying. <laughs> Well, well, the you, rest of it was in Koreatown. Know. Like all the rest of my like early twenties bar going was in K Town because that's where I uh, my first apartment in Los Angeles was. That's so the would, best. Like, the I'm jealous stuff. of that. Yeah. I'm jealous of both of you guys. Why was I living in a retirement community? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why did I do that? <laughs> uh, my God! I guess on my soundtrack for 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 my big chill, I would you know what would have to be on there, and it would be the thing where everybody would be like, "Oh no, not this song!" But then realize, then I'll start crying and dancing to it. Power out by Arcade Fire. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. <laughs> I listened to Tunnels so much when it was like freezing cold and super snowy and I was in my retirement home trying to be like, how do I get to a bar? 
And then I was like, oh, look, literally, you can <laughs> dig a tunnel, but you're not going to do that because it's really cold to go out to a bar. I listened to, <laughs> when I was very depressed my senior year of college, I like would only listen to rap because it would make me less depressed and like indie rock would make me depressed. So obviously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I listened to Some Cut by Trillville. Oh, a lot. yeah. That's my like. Follow that ass in the mall. That is my. My take me away nostalgia song. <laughs> I went through this weird period where Molly made me, she made me a bunch of mixes. I still have them. And one of them, senior year, had um, Paul Barman's Cock Mobster on it. Oh, and I, for some reason, when I was really like not feeling my, not feeling great, I would just put on Cock Mobster. And I totally remember being in the car with my mom to visit my grandmother and just being like, just letting it play, you know, and just like, inside dying but it's like worse to change it it was just yeah. a nightmare of an experience yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like paul barman's not even cool no but <laughs> to me paul barman is like i it just it picks you up you're in a mood you want to listen to a cornucopia of warm well, fallopia <laughs> Oh my god. And it's all all of the lyrics are still in my brain ready to come out into the microphone but I don't want to embarrass anyone no, who's keep listening. Rapping. <laughs> Please keep rapping. My dandy voice makes the most anti-choice granny's panties voice. Oh and there god. we have it. Oh my god. And we stoop no lower. This is big uh, chill podcast for you guys. Well yeah, I like the idea of the the underground, the backpacker big chill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we should ask our listeners for any Big Chill thoughts and also our Millennium listeners what they think would be on the Millennium Big Chill soundtrack. Um, I think it's like the fifth highest selling soundtracks of all time. It was on the charts for like 84 weeks, I think. It was yeah. bananas. And I feel like Big Chill never won, uh, at least never won an Oscar, but was nominated, I think. But the the soundtrack was like king of the soundtracks. Yeah. If you yeah. put the weight on anything, it's just going it, to – the weight is like a right, there magical are a couple, sword that there's slays like, you. There's your Rolling Stones song and there's your – you have the weight. Like there's a couple – there's like a couple of songs that hint more in the like Jefferson Airplane direction the soundtrack could go in. But then the rest of it is just like all Motown. Yeah. Uh, which is part of what adds to the like upbeat feeling of the movie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, maybe you get the sense that this isn't like necessarily the clearest cross section of what they were listening to at the time, but it's like the thing that they would listen to to like keep themselves up. It's while the they're stuff in they would period of mourning. The records they would listen to in their co-op when they were like all cooking together. Yeah, cooking their their vegan, uh, tossing some romaine. Yeah, tossing the big romaine. Old, big old stew. Yep. It takes a lot uh, to make a stew. Give us a night call with your with your big chill memories slash um, reboot ideas. Who you are from Big Chill? Who's the best person in Big Chill? Mary Kay Place. We'll take it all. <laughs> Should we all get the Big Chill haircut together? No. I think I already have it. I just need hard rollers. no hard. Yeah. <laughs> Emily just got a fresh haircut. She doesn't yeah, it looks need really any. Cool. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, I got my anime haircut for the end times. Congratulations. Yeah. So maybe we'll all get big chill perms for the end times. I don't need one. Always I'll wanted a perm. Haircut. Really? Yeah. I, I got a perm once. How was it? I was obsessed with getting a perm for such a long time. It, my hair is very hard to perm, so it took a lot of um, it took a lot of energy to actually get it to like fluffy perfection. I can't while, explain I to you what it's like to hear people with straight hair talk about how much they want curly hair oh i've been it, oh, it's yeah. been my whole life i'm like why straight hair why 
Curly hair. No, there is, is like that episode of Fresh Off the Boat where they talk about like the stat the, the status perm or like the if they have some name for it where it's like the family is just projected onto the idea of a perm as being like the way that you show off that you're like a real American family. <laughs> like two four oh four six night. Give us a call about perms, about the end times, <laughs> about the big chill, about uh, movie soundtracks. Yeah, any and all. We're post-spooky times now, so now we're getting into comfort material. Yeah, comfort food material. Oh, yeah. Also, send us your best recipes for Thanksgiving foods and your least favorite Thanksgiving foods. And we won't talk about the condiment that we dare not speak its name, but anything already that doesn't involve. I know we did, but it, you we know, had to. It, it was part of the movie. It was part of the movie, guys. The movie, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, give us all your Thanksgivingy fall thoughts and stories, and you can also email us nightcallpodcast at gmail Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We're Night Call Podcast, except on Twitter, we're Night Call Pod. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe if you like us. And if you are in Los Angeles around the time of Thanksgiving, come to our Nightsgiving DJ event at Gold Diggers in Hollywood the night before Thanksgiving, the 21st. And we will be DJing. Tess and I will be there. Emily will be ghost DJing. I'll be Um, there in Spooky spirit (laughs) with more DJs and perhaps some magic. Perhaps. And definitely some merch. Definitely merch. Uh, Thanks for listening. Happy Big Chill, everybody. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules Today, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell 
from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.